Hey, good morning, Victory Church. How you doing? Good morning. If you're visiting with my name is Troy. My wife, Darla, and I want to say thank you so much for visiting today. Uh, before we get into the Word, I want to give you a couple of announcements. First of all, Growth Track is back. Growth Track is happening today after service. Come on. As you know, we launched two services, Easter Sunday, uh, and so we're, we're building those teams. If you want to serve in kids, first impressions, production, worship, come on in. Uh, go to Growth Track. Learn a little bit about the church. It'll be about 30 minutes minutes and you'll learn about the church as much as learn about you uh, and then be able to find what we like to say find your circle uh, because here we say this you're here on purpose because you have a purpose and so come on and get involved get connected so again you can find your circle be a part of what God's doing right here at Victory Church. Also, another announcement, uh, we are going to try out our very first midweek class. Come on, let me hear you. You excited about it? So here's what's going to happen. Now that we have our own, own building, uh, we're going to try it out for this summer. We're going to start May 18th. We'll meet here. We'll go through June and July every other week. We'll meet here. Uh, and what we're going to do is we're going to, Darla and I are going to take you through the book, Emotional Healthy Spirituality. And so it's a phenomenal book. The class is going to cost you 10 bucks to register. It's going to cover your book uh, and just kind of hold people accountable as they sign up. And like I said, we'll, we'll meet. The youth are going to meet simultaneously with us on campus. And so we'll figure out all those details as it goes. So we're excited about that. It's just going to be a great time of us meeting together midweek. And then in the fall, we'll get back together in our home groups and things like that. But we just want to encourage you to do that. You'll be able to register online as well as we'll have some stuff throughout the building, QR codes that you can scan and get registered. May 18th is when it starts. Again, we'll send out emails. You'll see it on social media. But we just want you to start planning for it. Now, you ready for the word? Hey, if you got your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Genesis chapter 37. As you're turning there, I want to take just a moment. If you don't have your Bibles, don't worry, it'll be on the screen. You can use your phone. I want to take just a moment. Uh, we are super blessed today. We found out this weekend that we were going to have some special guests in the house. And so if you've been through Growth Track and you've learned about uh, the, the vision of victory, you would hear about a church in Clarksville called Life Point Church. Uh, Life Point Church is not only where you're going to find our board, they are our parent church, but you're going to find two of Darla and I's mentors and great, great friends, uh, Pastor Mike and Stephanie Burnett. Will you do me a favor? Would you stand just for a second? We just want to honor you for a moment. Come on, Victory Church. Look, look, we are so blessed. Before you sit down, let me just say this real quick. Darla and I cannot thank you. We'll never be able to thank you enough. And Victory, you don't even understand that we're sitting here today because of their belief in Victory Church and in us. So we just thank you, we honor you, we love you, and thank you so much for being with us this morning. Come on, give it up one more time. They have four beautiful daughters, two are with us, and two are in V-Kids. Uh, and again, it's just such a privilege. Um, anytime you, you step out, I'm going to talk a little bit about dreams today. Anytime you step out in a dream, I think it's important to have people alongside of you that cheer on that dream. And we always want to be that for you here at Victory, and it's just so special uh, to be able to have them with us today. And I hope you get an opportunity to just shake their hands. When you shake their hands, tell them thank you, uh, and just pour on them the love that you've been able to experience in Victory because of what they've done and the way they've supported us. Amen? Amen. All right, Genesis chapter 37. Go ahead and get there. Uh, we're going to start with verse 2. We are in a series called Live the Dream. Uh, we start, kind of kicked it off last week with Pastor Ron. He kind of introduced it. But I'm going to dive deep into it over the next four to five weeks. We're going to break down the life of Joseph. This is my favorite Bible story. Uh, part of it is I've always kind of seen, at least since 18 or so, I've seen myself as a dreamer. And I love uh, who Joseph is, and I love the principles in this story. And I just believe that we all have a dream. 
I believe everybody that's in this room has a dream. And a lot of times it depends on the season of life you're in as to what that dream is. Uh, I was talking in the first service about those who have a dream in marriage and those that have a dream for family and for kids and those who have a dream in a career and those that might have a dream just in, in an anointing and what God's called you to do. And when you study the life of Joseph, there's some great principles to pull out to help us as we walk through this dream. So I'm going to read about eight verses, uh, and then we'll dig in from there. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending to the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah. Uh, in case you're looking for a name for your daughter, if you're pregnant and expecting women, those names are available for you. You can put those on. Uh, his father's wives, and he brought their father a bad report about them. So Joseph is already bringing bad news about his brothers, already starting drama. And it says, now Israel, that's the father's name, now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age. And he made an ornate robe for him, this, this robe of many colors. And he said to them, uh, or I'm sorry, when his brothers saw that he loved him more than any of them, they hated him and they could not speak a kind word about him or of him. So Joseph had a dream and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. He said to them, listen to this dream I have. Listen, I'm about to explain to you this dream that I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brothers then said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you, will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of this dream and because of what he had said. Then he had another dream, and he told it to his brothers again. He said, listen, I've had another dream, and this time the sun and the moon and 11 stars are bowing down to me. And when he told his father about it, his father says, his father rebuked him and said, what is this dream that you've had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers became jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. I want to talk to you for just a moment from the idea, the danger of a dream. The danger of a dream. By the time you graduate or we graduate school, we have been asked over a dozen times what we want to do with our life. What, what is our dream? What, are, what, what, what excites us? What are we passionate about? What are you going to do? College? Career? What, what's it going to look like after you graduate? And then often what people do is once we're asked that, we begin to self-evaluate and try to decide what that is that we are passionate about, what it is that does get our heart racing, what our dreams would be. Now, when I was in high school, I was never uh, specifically great at anything. Uh, I was good at some stuff, but I was never great at anything. There was never anything that somebody said, oh, you know, you're going to do this when you grow up because you're so great at it. And then on top of that, I was not exactly passionate about anything. There wasn't really anything that I was super interested in, at least until I got saved. And so when I turned about 18 years old, I was invited to church and I got saved and I just fell in love with the gospel. I fell in love with the grace of God. I fell in love with, with ministry and the whole concept of the church and that people could come into a place and be uplifted and be encouraged and be taught about Christ and walk out and understand it's not about them, but it's about him. And it just excited me. And so I got passionate about it and I just kind of said, this is my dream. This is what I want to do. But I didn't really know where to go from there. And so naturally, I just kind of turned into this 
uh, search of let's find out how to define my dream. And this is what a lot of us do. Once we have this, we start then looking, trying to figure out, asking people how exactly to define our dream. Um, when, you, when you study the life of Joseph, you understand that the greatest potential for our dream, the greatest potential of danger for our dream is not the details. It's often who we allow to define that dream to begin with. Again, the tension that we see in, in Genesis 37 with Joseph and his brothers, the tension that we see between Joseph and his father, the tension is not because he had a dream. The tension is not even because he shared the dream. The tension that exists in Genesis 37 is there because he allowed them to define the dream. When he goes and talks to them and he tells them the dream, what do they say back to him? Oh, you're going to rule over us? Oh, you're going to reign over us? And then he goes and tells his dad and his dad says, are, 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 is mom, are you? I can't even speak right now. Um, uh, is, my mom, is your mom and me, are we going to bow down to you? Is that, they're defining his dream. And so it wasn't that he had a dream. It's that he was allowing them to be the ones to define it. Yeah. A dream has to be defined. It doesn't matter. As long as you have it, it has to be defined. And if we don't define it, if we don't allow God to define it, then something or someone else will define it. And a dream that goes undefined runs the risk and the danger of being defined later by things like our pride, Right? We start to make the dream about us and what we want. It runs the danger of being defined by our current perspective. And we start looking at where we are and where our dream is. And we wonder, I thought I'd be somewhere different by now. And that current perspective starts to define the dream. Or we allow the other people in our life to define that dream. And so if you and I are going to start moving in the direction of, of seeing that dream come to fruition, and we want to watch out for the dangers of it, the first thing we need to do in this series as we preach through Genesis and as we talk about our dreams, the first thing we have to get right is this. We have to, to, we have to correctly define our dream. We have to correctly define it. So to do that, let's go to Genesis chapter 42. I'm going to show you one verse in 42. So we've got 37 that we read. And then watch this. It says, Now Joseph was the governor of the land, the person who sold grain to all of its people. Now, there's a lot that's happened in between Genesis 37 and Genesis 42. I'm going to preach through that over the next few weeks and explain all of that. But now, last time we heard from him, he was a 17-year-old boy working in the field. Now he's the governor. He's the right hand to Pharaoh. So a lot has happened in those years, and we'll talk about them. But here's what I want you to see right now. It says, so when Joseph's brothers arrived, they what? bow down to him with their faces to the ground. So in chapter 42 is where the dream comes to life. In 50, we'll see more of the dream involving his father. But in 42 is where we first see the dream that was given to him in 37 come to life. Just five chapters. Now here's the danger with reading the Bible. When you and I read 37 and we jump over to 42, it's just five chapters. So in our mind, it wasn't really that long, right? Like Joseph had the dream in 37, and 42, the dream comes to be, wow, God is good. But from 37 to 42 is 20 years. In, in, in 37, he's 17 years old. 
In 42, he's 37 years old. So as we read it, it's just a quick five chapters. But to Joseph, it was a long 20 years, right? Like Joseph was given the dream at 17 years old. And then he's 19, and it hasn't happened. He's 23, and it hasn't happened. He's 27, and it hasn't happened. He's 29, 31, 33, 36, and he's 37 years old. And finally, the dream that God spoke to him when he was 17 is actually starting to happen. It's coming to life in front of him. And if we could, like, beam Joseph down from heaven, like in the old Star Trek ways, like I remember that. Like, if we could just beam Joseph down here, I think Joseph would come up on the stage, and in regards to our dreams, he would tell us this. It's one thing to dream the dream. It's a totally different thing to live the dream. It's one thing to dream it. It's one thing for you and I to have a dream. To have a dream doesn't cost anything. To live a dream costs everything. And so it's one thing to dream it. It's another thing to live it. And I think Joseph could tell us anything. It's, hey, when you read the the story of my life, understand that I'm not just dreaming a dream. I'm living the dream. And when you and I start to have this, this dream in our heart, the reason why it's different to live it than it is to dream it is because when this dream starts to starts to wake up inside of us. It's something we're passionate about. It's something we're interested in. It's then followed by a time of preparation because we get it, we dream it, but then we need this time of preparation before we can actually walk in the fullness of the dream. So you have the dream at 17, but the 20 years you need to prepare yourself so that Joseph could walk the fullness of the dream at 37. Let me tell you what I mean by this. When when Joseph gets the dream, he's 17 years old. He's a teenager. I don't know how many of you have teenagers, but here's what I understand to be true about all teenagers, that according to them, everything in this entire world revolves around them, right? (laughs) Teenagers, am I right? All right, bust you out, okay. My, my daughter was in the first service, and she was amending me to this. And I just started thinking and processing through a 17-year-old finding out that God's dream for them is that their brothers and sisters are going to bow down to them. I asked her, I said, could you imagine if God's dream for you was for your sister to worship you? Right? Could you imagine this? Like, imagine getting that dream at 17 that your dad and your mother are going to bow down to you. It would just make sense that his dream kind of naturally moved in to this selfish desire. And that's why the time of preparation is so important. Because the first step to correctly defining our dream is to understand that we are not dreaming our dream. We're dreaming God's dream. If we're going to define it correctly, we have to understand that it's not our dream. It's God's dream. We have to understand that it's not what we want for our life, but it's what God wants for our life. Because here's the danger. If we are following our dream, if we're trying to achieve our dream, then the only thing that will matter is the fulfillment of that dream. And in the process of getting the fulfillment, we will see Jesus as just a way to be able to get our dream. When it's our dream, Jesus becomes a stepping stone. 
He becomes a way to be able to get our dream instead of becoming the dream. That's what the difference in our dream and God's dream. What I need is this time of preparation to move me out of wanting what I want and into wanting what God wants. It's preparing me for the fullness of my dream. Because if it's my dream, then the only thing that matters is me seeing what I want to happen, happen. Whether it means moving towards Jesus or whether it means moving away from him. Let me tell you what I mean more of an example. Uh, when Darla and I were in Memphis, we were youth pastors. And so there was this particular guy, um, I'm trying to think the best way to say it. He, he had a lot of relationships, all right? Is, is that good? Can we put it that way? He was constantly with a different girl, had a different girlfriend. And so one Wednesday night, he comes up to me, and service is about to start, and he comes up to me and says, Pastor Troy, uh, you know, I, I, I want to get serious. I want to kind of settle down. Again, he's like 16 years old, right? But he's like, I want to settle down. I want to focus on one relationship with one girl. And I was so shocked by this statement and a little taken back because I got to go preach and all this that I just, I did what we would all do. I just said, you should probably pray about it, right? Like you should, you should just talk to God about it. Didn't think anything about it. Went on and did service. We had worship, the message, the altar time. We hung out and talked for a little bit. And he comes up to me and he's so excited. And I'm, I, I honestly, I had forgot what we had even talked about. And he's like, it worked, Pastor Troy, it worked. And I was like, what worked? And he said, I prayed and God told me the girl that I'm supposed to date. And I was so interested that God had answered his prayer in a matter of like, you know, two hours that I was like, teach me your ways. You know what I mean? Like you've already heard from God. Tell me how to pray so that I can hear from God that fast. And y'all, I promise this is the truth. This is what he said to me. He said, on my way to service tonight, I stopped by the gas station, and I bought a bag of Skittles. And he said, and it was one of those bags of Skittles where it's like a special flavor. It's like tropical. So there's only three colors in the bag, orange, pink, and red. And he said, so during worship, I started praying, and I assigned a different girl to a different color. All right? So this girl was orange, and this girl was pink, and I'm like, Oh, my goodness. Like, you know what I mean? Uh, this girl is red. And he said, I said this prayer, and the whole time I just told God, whichever color of Skittles I pull out the most by the time service is over, God, that'll be your way speaking to me. Y'all done it. You know what I mean? Y'all have done it before. Maybe it wasn't about a girl, but you did something. You twisted God's way so you could get your way. I'm blown away. He goes, and by the time service was over, he said, there was more pink Skittles than orange Skittles, and so I know it's so-and-so. And I'm like, are you kidding me right now? It blew my mind. But again, it was somebody who was focused on their dream, so Jesus became a stepping stone to their dream instead of it being about what God wanted for their life. And if you're taking notes, here's the part that really got me this week as I was prepping. When it comes to the dream that God's put in your heart, you need to understand that it is connected to the desires of your heart. The Bible says that God will give you the desires of your heart. So when God put a dream in your heart, it was connected. It is connected to those desires. The dream God has for your life, watch this, is something you want to do. God's dream for your life is not something you don't want to do. It is something you want to do. It's connected to the desires of your heart. But here's the most important part. The desires of your heart 
still lack maturity. The desires of our heart, the closer we get to God, the more that we're in his word, the more that we're in prayer, the more those desires are shaped. And the more we that, go through that time of preparation, what we thought was our dream is shaped into more of what is God's dream. And things start to change a little bit. And the way you thought it was going to be and the way you expected it to go begin to shift because the desires in your heart are maturing as you grow in your relationship with God. So when you first get your dream, you don't really know how it's going to work. The how of your dream is still incomplete. In fact, the why, why did God even give you this dream, is still incomplete. But the more you're in that time of preparation, the more God molds the desires of your heart to fit the dream that he put in your heart. And what you thought was a dream for you and what you thought was a dream about you, you find out it's actually about you and God. It goes from our dream to his dream. This is why dreams are different in the distance. They're different the longer it takes for them to happen. All right, I'll give you some examples. Uh, anybody in here 50 years or older? I tried this at 9 o'clock. We had a few. Anybody in 50 years or older? Okay, so, so let's talk for a moment. Let's talk about what your dreams were when you were 16 and what your dreams are now, right? There's a difference. You know what I mean? Like some, whatever you were dreaming for when you were 16, something has happened over the time and it's changed and your dreams are different at 50 or older. It's happening to me. We'll back it up a little bit. Anybody 40 and over? Let me see your hands. 40 and over, all right? The dreams that you had when you were 17 and 18 and 19 years old are different from the dreams you have now. Let's do it again. Any 30-year-olds in the building? 30 years old. The, the dreams you had when you were 16 are different. Look, I'll prove it to you. When I was 17 years old, my dream was to preach in front of thousands. You know what I mean? I wanted to go to a stadium and preach and all of these important things. At 37, my dream is to own one of those Cracker Barrel rocking chairs. You know what I'm talking about? Just to put it on the front porch and just sit in it and like complain about the weather and, and like talk bad about my neighbors, you know, when they walk by, I'm like, look at you, you're wearing them shoes, look at them shoes. You know, put your pants up. You know what I mean? Like, that, that's my dream. Where I was at 17 and where I am now, it's different. It's different. Same thing with your marriage. <laughs> I didn't mean that many laughs, but yeah. Look, when you were 17, your, your dreams for marriage were different than they are now. Anybody in here married more than 20 years? Anybody here married more than 20 years? All right. Look, when you first got married, you had dreams. You had like dreams about, like, like the man had dreams about the marriage. You know what I mean? The woman had dreams about the marriage. 20 years later, it's different. Well, the man still has the same dreams. You know what I mean? But, but the woman has different dreams. But it's just over time, things change. The more it goes along, things change and your desires mature and what you thought was your dream is different. It's no longer about you. It's about God. And as long as it's our dream, it's about us getting the glory, us getting the praise. 
And we have to be able to move past and understand that the longer we go, the longer the process of training, the longer that we're chasing God and learning his word and praying, the more those desires are shaped and the more that dream comes to life. This is why I tell you to be careful with the idea of chasing your dreams. I used to love this statement, chase your dreams. Right? Like, have a Red Bull and chase your dreams. Like, it was just so exciting. Chase your dreams. Go after it. Do it all. Rule the world. Run the world. Chase your dreams. I was listening to this song, Don't Judge Me. I was listening to this song the other day uh, by Carrie Underwood and Ludacris. Have y'all heard this song? It's called Champion. Y'all know that song? You know, there's this line where she says, I've waited my whole life to see my name in lights. You know what I mean? Like, that's what it was about. She was chasing her dreams. But here's the problem about chasing our dreams. If the desires in our heart aren't mature, then as we're chasing our dreams, we might actually end up running away from God. But in the process of chasing our dreams, we might actually run away from God. Same youth group, there was this young man, he was coming every Wednesday night, he was, he was passionate about church on Wednesday night, he was in Sunday school on Sunday morning, he was in church on Sunday, he was, he was always there, he was there all the time. And out of nowhere, he kind of started missing some Wednesdays, missing some Sundays. Oh, no big deal. I, I get it. You, know, you have lives. And, but, but the more that happened, the more I just started paying attention to it. And so one day I see him, and I go up to him, and I just said, hey, man, you know, you, you've been okay. I hadn't seen you in a while, you know, this kind of stuff. And he said, well, here's the deal. He said, I started this particular sport. And he said, so practice is on Wednesday night. And the, uh, we traveled during the weekends to play the game. And so I was like, oh, okay, you know, no, no big deal, that's cool. So a couple days or a couple months go by, see him less, see him less, see him less, see him less. And again, almost a year goes by, I don't even see him anymore, but I see his parents. And one day I'm talking to his father, and I'm like, yeah, man, I miss so-and-so in Fusion. Fusion was our youth service. I said, I miss so-and-so in Fusion, you know, I, I wish he'd come back and love to see him. Tell him I said hi. He said, yeah, you know how it is, man. He said, I'm helping him, uh, I'm helping him chase his dream." And I just remember at that moment, like the kid's like 16 years old. You know what I mean? Like, what does he know about his dream? And so at that, just at that moment, as he's telling me that, I'm like, hmm. So about a year goes by, and this father calls me, and he's wanting help with his son. And I said, what's going on? He said, he's getting ready to go to college. I said, oh, did he get a scholarship? He goes, no, he didn't play that sport. He said he didn't like it after a while playing it. I said, okay, well, then what are you calling me for? He said, well, he, he's, he believes he's an atheist. And so he wanted me to be able to talk to him about God. And I said, listen, you know, I'll do my best. I said, but at some point, we, we were convinced that he was chasing his dream. And in the process of chasing his dream, he was running away from God. And if we're not careful, if we don't clearly define our dream, if we're not sure that our dream is not defined by God, then in the process of chasing our dream, we might actually end up running away from God. And that's why as I study Genesis 37 and as we get ready to launch this series, here's the thing I keep coming back to, that if Joseph was going to tell us, hey, look at my life, watch my story, here's what I would tell you. Instead of following your dreams, follow God and your dreams will follow you. If you'll chase God, then your dreams will chase you. If, if God created us, right, if God knows every hair that's on our head, every hair that's on your head, Jeremy, he doesn't know, he has zero for you, buddy. But by every hair that's on our head, he knows that. He's the one that gave you the dream. 
He's the one that gave you the desires. If he's the author of our life, if he's the one who pinned the desires and he's the one that pinned our dreams, then if we chase him, don't our dreams have to follow? If we're chasing after God, shouldn't we be able to look, look over to the side and see our dreams running with us? Wouldn't it be one of those things that when I arrive at the feet of God, there's my dream? Instead of feeling like I need to chase my dream, all I have to do is chase God. When I understand that he is the God of my dream, he's the one who put it in my heart. Instead of believing all of the pressure, instead of constantly wondering, why haven't I arrived somewhere different? Instead of having all these questions about our dream because it's either our pride or our perspective or the people that are around us, we can be confident that God is the God of our dream. And so if we'll chase God, we'll arrive at our dream. Now, Joseph says something at the end of this story that has kind of become a popular verse when you talk about Joseph and dreaming. Matter of fact, I'll say it in a minute, and I think you'll probably understand that you've heard it at some point. Like, you may have heard it not quite how it says it in the Bible, but you've heard it. Uh, it goes like this, what the devil meant for bad, God meant for good. We, we've heard that in some shape, form, or fashion. And this is originally from Joseph, as this whole process is over, and Joseph's gone through the prison, and he's gone through slavery, and he's gone through false accusation, all the things we'll talk about. And as he gets through all of this, and he gets to the end of this, and now he has this opportunity to forgive his brothers and to save his brothers. And that's where that statement comes from, where he looks at him and says, hey, what you meant for bad, God meant for good. And so as I was getting ready with this message, I'm like, that's going to be the ending point. Like, if we're going to talk about this whole story in summary on the first week, we got to end with that point. But then as I was reading it, something stood out to me in the verse that I had never really paid attention to before. I just kind of kept reading over it. So let me read it to you, and then I'm going to explain it. Genesis 50, verse 19 and 20 starts like this. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Now he's talking to his brothers, because again, they're assuming that he's going to either punish them or kill them because of what they've done. He says, hey, don't be afraid. And he's about to go on to say the famous scripture, but it's this question. Watch this. He said, am I in the place of God? Hey, don't be afraid. Can't you see that I am in the place that God wants me? I love that the overall summary of this dream is, look, I know I've gone through a lot. I know there's been moments of doubt. I know there's been moments where I wasn't certain as to what God was doing. But hey, just for a second, let's look. Aren't I in the place of God? Here, let me tell you privately, or I guess technically publicly, um, what my biggest struggle has always been with my dream. When it comes to me in dreaming, my biggest problem has always been what if I mess it up? Like, like what if I do something to disqualify me from the dream? You know, if I, if I get a dream at 17, I got, I got a lot of living to do. And what if God gives me this dream? And then at some point, God, what if I drop the ball? Like, like what if I mess up? What if I say something that I shouldn't have said? What if I do something that I shouldn't have done? And so this was always in my mind. 
the second that my dream wasn't going like I thought it was going to go, you told me at 17 that I would be here. Now I'm in prison. What did I do? You told me I, at 17 I'd be here. Now I'm in slavery. What did I do? And for every person that's currently living in a place that doesn't look like the dream God gave you, there's a part of you that wonders, what did I do? Did I do something that disqualified me from my dream? And I just love that part when he looks at his brothers. To me, this is what he's saying. Despite what I did and despite what you did, aren't I in the place of God? Aren't I where God wanted me all along? Is it possible that because it's God's dream, he's the one that's in control? And it's not about what I do, and it's not about if I mess it up, but if I'll just stick to following God, then in seasons where it doesn't look like I thought it would look, will become irrelevant. And when it's all said and done, I'll find myself in a place where I can look and honestly say, Aren't I in the place of God? There's a lot of dreamers in here. I was talking to a lady after church after the nine o'clock. She pulled me aside and she said, she said, I've been struggling with this for months. She said, because I keep thinking that I should be further along by now. That where I am, and what I expected God to do in my life, that I should just be doing better. We got people in here that have dreamed for families, kids, spouses, callings, careers. And it's real easy if we're not careful, depending on who we let define the dream, to look at where we are and go, this is not where I thought I would be. And then it moves you into the, what did I do to cause me to not be where I thought I would be? And I just love that Joseph says, hey, listen, I messed up. I told you the dream and I probably shouldn't have. You messed up. You tried to sell me into slavery. Hey, let's just forgive each other because when it's all said and done, I followed God and my dream followed me. I chased God and my dream chased me. I was getting ready to write this message or as I was writing this message, the Lord reminded me of something that I do with my kids a lot. We call it a scavenger hunt. And so what do is I'll buy them this gift, whatever it might be, a teddy bear, a kinder egg, a toy, and I'll hide it somewhere in the house. You know, I'll hide it in the fridge or, you know, the garage or the oven or, you know, whatever it might be. And then I write out these little letters for them. And so, like, to give you an example, one might say, like, you know, uh, I, I want to hug you so tight you turn blue. The next clue is where mom and dad keeps their shoes, right? Like, sorry, I'm not the guy from Blue's Clues, so forgive me for, <laughs> but, but, you know, it's just the idea of giving them a clue. And then they'll take that clue, and Casey Ray, and Vita, they'll run around the house. And I try to put one clue up, one clue down, one clue. I just like to make them run up and down the stairs so they get exhausted, you know? 
and they're just running around, and I've already bought the gift, and it's, and it's somewhere, and it's waiting on them, but they got to work for it, right? They got to look for it. But here's my favorite part, is at some point, I'll get, they'll get to a clue where I stump them, and they'll be reading it, you know, and they'll be like, ah, dad, you know, dad, we don't, we don't understand, and they'll go to a couple places, and it won't be there, you know, and they'll come back like, dad, dad, I don't know. I have never once looked at my kids and went, well, if you can't figure it out, then I guess the gift isn't yours, right? Because I've already bought the gift. The gift has already been given to them. It's just coming in a certain time of preparation. So here's what I do. I bring them over and I say, hold on, let me help you. Read to me. Well, you'll hug us tight till we turn blue. It's in the place where, hey, where do mom and dad keep their shoes? And when I tell them, their faces light up. Oh, and they take off running to the next clue. And what the Lord needed me to see with that is that when it comes to the dream that I have in my heart, God has already given me the dream. Christ died for the dream. The dream is mine. The question is not whether or not I get the dream. The dream is mine. It's the process that it's going to take me to get there. And there's never a moment where my father says, you messed up. You shouldn't have told your brothers about that. And because you did, now you're from your dream. There's only moments where our father says, hey, come here. Trust me. Trust me in this season. Because the dream is already yours. But we got to go through some stuff to get there. The reason why... I had already bought the gift in advance, done the scavenger hunt to begin with, is because I'm a good father. The reason why it doesn't matter what we do, as long as we chase after God, is because he's a good father. All we have to do is pursue him, chase after him, love him. The dream is already there. But here's the real secret. The dream is him he is the dream any dream that god's ever given us the underlining purpose of it is to draw us closer to god it's always been about him the more i was reading joseph and i'm like okay 37 he gets this dream 42 50 this dream happened the more i looked at it here's what i saw watch this in 37 and in 42 and in 50 it's the same goal Brothers bow down on their face and worship before you. 37. Brothers bow down, face worshiped. 42. Brothers bow down on their face, worshiped. 50. It's the same goal. And so as I'm reading it, I'm like, it's the goal in 37, the same goal in 42, it's the same goal in 50. Why did you need all of the time in the middle? And God told me it's the same goal, but it's a different glory. It's the same goal in 37. But the glory was all about Joseph. It's me. It's me. Worship me. My name in the lights. It's all about me. By the time you get to 50, he says what? God meant it for good. God turned it for good. It's the same goal. But there's a different person getting the glory. So for every person that's wondering, why aren't things going the way I thought they would go? Everything's right on schedule because the 
us to get the glory. It's for God to get the glory. Why am I not where I thought I would be? Because where you thought you would be gives you glory. It doesn't give the glory to God. But when you stick where you are, the, the young that was talking to me after service, she, she was involved in serving a lot this weekend. I'm like, if you just keep doing that, God's getting the glory. You stick with it, you trust it, you chase God, God gets the glory. And watch this, when we know how to give, the, give God the glory in the prison, then we can give God the glory on the platform. The reason why Joseph was able to give God the glory as governor is because he gave God the glory in the prison. That's the process. The process is to move me out of my dream and into God's dream. Because for all of us, the dream that's inside of us, the danger of it, is to be so passionate about the fulfillment that it glorifies us and moves us away from God. But if he's the dream, chasing him is the dream, if I understand that when I get to him, I get the dream, then it's all about his glory. And it doesn't matter when it happens because it's not about me. It's about him. Do me a favor, stand with me for a moment. This is a subject that I'm really passionate about. I'm so excited to go through the rest of this story with you over the next couple of weeks. We're going to talk about the resource of a dream. We're going to talk about dream killers. Some phenomenal stuff. But my heart is so happy for those that you, you have this dream but everything around you doesn't look like the dream that you saw happening. And to be able to return back to a moment of complete trust in God. And no matter where you are, no matter what it looks like, that the purpose of the dream is to move you and I closer to God. As we get closer to God, the more those desires in our heart begin to mature, and the more we realize, I've been in the dream the entire time. I thought I was pursuing something. The entire time, it was God to begin with. And once we become complacent, once we be, or not complacent, once we become content with being in the presence of God, I just believe that we'll look over and go, hey, there's my dream. Because they're both sitting at the feet of Christ. I'm going to invite a couple of prayer team members down just for a moment. I'm going to pray. And I want to encourage you this morning, a couple of things. First of all, if you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, we want to give you that opportunity this morning. The Bible says you believe in your heart, you confess with your mouth. Christ died for your sins, you'll be saved. And we'd love to walk that journey out with you. Second is just to open up the opportunity for prayer in general, just to be able to stand with you, pray with you. And then lastly would be as you're wrestling this dream. As our church gathers and the more I look over it, I think about 
the stories that I know inside, the dreams that I know about, the dreams for children, the dreams for spouses, the dreams for careers, the dreams for anointings and callings. And I know the danger of a dream. And there's nothing more fulfilling to me than to be able to get us to come running after God, knowing that that dream is already at his feet. So in a moment, I'm going to pray. And when I say amen, just again, we're going to worship for a moment. Just gives you that opportunity to respond to this message, to respond to what God's saying to you about your dream, to respond if you're wanting to ask Christ to be your Savior. Father, we thank you right now for what you're doing in this place. We thank you for the lives that are presented. We thank you for your word that is alive, that pierces hearts. I thank you, Lord, for the message of grace that we get to preach. I thank you for being able to be in the room with dreamers. Father, also know the danger of a dream. I know how that if we're not careful, that dream will eventually cause us to move away from you. Father, for every person in this place, I pray your Holy Spirit would do what I could never do. For every need, for every prayer request. Father, I pray you'd have your way in this place. We give you all the glory. You are the dream. And as we follow you, we find our dream. The dream is walking in your salvation, walking in your mercy, walking in your grace. Right now, speak to every specific heart. You know exactly what they came in with. You know exactly what they're leaving with. And Father, as we begin to worship, because of who you are, that you did pay it all. And because of your sacrifice and because of your blood, that grace exists. And we can understand that the dream in our heart is laced with grace. Pursue you. Our dreams chase us. Father, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name.